Pastor Ray Bentley on the attributes of Christ. There is a human portion to his life and calling that goes from the seed of Abraham to the family of David. Yes, fully man, but a special man, the son of man, who is also the son of God. All of his glory and deity that is now come manifest in the flesh. Jesus said, yes, that is me. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Jesus was God incarnate, God become flesh. But we don't often focus on the fact that not only was he fully God, he was also fully human. What can we learn from the human side of the Lord's character and attributes? We'll dig into that subject today and see how we can follow in Jesus' footsteps in our lives. Well, if you have a Bible, I want you to open it, get your scriptures open, and let's turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. And we're gonna finish the 26th chapter of Matthew, and the title of the message is, When Jesus Was Alone. And just before we pray, I wanna say that we're following Jesus now, obviously, in the last days of his earthly life and ministry, he's making his way now to the cross. And we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus went in and he wanted his disciples to pray with him, but they fell asleep in an hour when he needed them the most. He was left alone. And in fact, they disappeared into the darkness of the night in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus was left alone. But in that aloneness, Jesus cried out to his Father. He prayed with his Father. He called on the name of the Father uh, to know exactly, to be reconfirmed three times. Father, is this the cup you have for me? Is this your purpose? Is this your will? That I should go die on the cross as the substitute Lamb of God for the sins of the world, that this would be the way for them to be saved, and it was confirmed three times. But I want you to think about, Jesus was not alone, he was with his Father, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that that time of intimacy. So we're living in a very unique time of history right now, where everybody is being sheltered in their home, and there's a lot of loneliness, a lot of isolation, a lot of feeling disconnected. I want you to know and think about as we pray and as we go through this time in Jesus' life, there was a lot of loneliness and solitude in the life of Jesus Christ. But it can be very meaningful if we turn and direct our attention, we're never alone. He said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. So we have a very unique opportunity in this silence and solitude to call upon the name of the Lord and enter into a new intimacy with him. Well, let's bow our heads and pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we welcome the Holy Spirit. And here we are, and we're we're all scattered abroad. Uh, But Lord, you are with us. And you said that if even two or three gather together in your name, I am there in the midst. You have given to us your Holy Spirit. 
And therefore, we come together to hear the word of the Lord that we might open our spirit and our heart to hear what you would say to us, to give us a word of encouragement, a word of hope. Lord, a word that we will carry with us, and we commit all of these things in your hands, in Jesus' mighty, wonderful name we pray and ask all of these things, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 26, and beginning in verses 57, uh, we're gonna talk about, this is the first point we're looking at. Jesus teaches us about solitude and silence. So beginning in verse 57, we read, and those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none, but at last, Two false witnesses came forward and said, this fellow said, uh, listen to that, not rabbi, not teacher, no term of respect, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. All right, let's stop there for just a moment as we tell the story and read it. And I want you to look at Jesus is teaching us about solitude and silence. Now he's in a moment where they're bringing false accusations against him. They've already determined that he is guilty. They have already determined that he will be put to death. Now they're just trying to find something to be able to accuse him with. It's interesting, they couldn't find anybody and so they finally found a couple of guys that said, well, I heard he said this one time, destroy this temple, oh, the temple of God. Surely you cannot speak against the temple of God. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. Now, Jesus was there, he did actually say those very words, but he was not talking about the physical temple which had been building for over 46 years at that time, that it would be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. He spoke of the temple of his body. He was all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily, and he, as the living temple of God, the living word of God, would be crucified, but on the third day, he would be resurrected, and that same body that had died would come back to life. That's what Jesus was saying, but notice he does not explain. He does not say, hey, you misinterpreted, you didn't understand, I had a spiritual meaning to that. He remains silent. Again, Jesus has at this moment been forsaken by his disciples. They have all fled into the darkness of the garden, and he is all alone. 
And I'm thinking for just a moment, we often miss the importance of Jesus' solitude and silence. And every one of us can learn something from Jesus about and an example of that if you want to be intimate with our Father who is in heaven, it requires there are going to be times in your life you need to get away from everybody else. You need to be silent. You need to go into his presence and you need to wait upon him and listen to him and spend time with him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had had deep prayer, deep communion, deep intimacy with his father. He was wrestling with a question about going forward with the cross, but he had his father, and there he was, and the disciples had all fallen asleep, but Jesus was not alone. He was conversing, he was communicating, he was talking, he was sharing with his father. And by the way, at the end, we know that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. It was very traumatic. But at the end of that time of intimacy and prayer and communion between the Father and the Son, at the very end, Jesus stood up and he came and he found the disciples. They were all sleeping and he said, sleep on. Here comes the enemy. This is the hour and power of darkness. But he was saying, I'm ready. Because of the time that I spent in prayer, because I heard from my Father, Jesus was strengthened. He was confirmed. And that time of being alone with his Father and through prayer, he had confidence to go forward to the cross and all that he would suffer. We're gonna read about that in just a moment. But throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he gave us an example. Over and over again, when you read the Gospels, Jesus would withdraw from the crowds. Now, every time he did another miracle, there were bigger and bigger and bigger crowds and more and more people following him. And yet consistently, we read in the Gospels, and then Jesus withdrew himself from the multitude, or we go up onto a mountaintop to have time of intimacy and prayer and to be alone with his father, and every time he came back from that time of prayer, he had fresh direction, fresh vision. This is where the father said we need to go next, and it became such a beautiful example to the other disciples. They said, Lord, teach us to pray like you. And that's when Jesus pulled them aside and taught them the Lord's prayer kind of an outline, not just simply, you know, by rote, that simple little prayer that can be said in a couple of minutes, but it was an outline of spending time with the Lord and with our Father in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teaching means to them. Pastor Ray was influential in teaching us to make the Bible our manual for life. Nothing else was needed and nothing else mattered. He taught us to keep our eyes on Jesus, love God, our neighbors, and the Bible. We can't wait to see him again. God is good all the time. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives through the years, and your prayers are cherished by the Bentley family. If you have a message to share, you can email us 
ray at raybentley.com or post a comment on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So I want you to think about where you're at right now in your life. We probably, because of our circumstances, we have a lot more solitude, a lot more silence, which is one of the major themes of the Gospels. And again, we're living in a unique time in history. In the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verse 11, so Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? Jesus knew where he was going. He knew what he needed to do next. In the hour of crisis, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was strengthened, he was confirmed by praying and talking with his Father. This is the will of my Father. I must go forward, I must go to the cross, and this is the Father's plan for the redemption of the world. Well, let's go to the next few verses, 64 through 66, and let's go to our next life lesson here. Jesus affirms that he is the Son of Man, the Messiah, beginning in verse 64. Jesus said to him, it is as you said, Remember that he had been asked, I adjure you, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah, the Son of God? And so Jesus responds to him and says, it is as you have said, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying he has spoken blasphemy, What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered and they said, he is deserving of death. Wow, what in the world has just happened? Jesus is applying to himself. When he shares these words, you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. He's quoting a scripture. He's actually quoting a prophecy from the book of Daniel, from the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. It's a messianic passage, and it's literally a messianic passage about Jesus. So in Daniel chapter seven, verse 13, this is what we read. I was watching in the night visions And behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And the next verse, 14. And then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Powerful. The Son of Man coming in the clouds, and the Ancient of Days, the majesty of God the Father gives to the Son of Man a kingdom which shall reign forever and ever and ever. Well, all of the Jewish people and those who looked at the scriptures said this is a prophecy from the prophet Daniel about the coming of the Messiah. Now, you and I might read it and say the Son of Man. 
And son of man may sound like an emphasis on Jesus' humanity, but I want you to know that it speaks also of his deity and of his exalted nature. This is the everlasting power, glory, kingdom of God coming in the clouds. Who came in the cloud? In the Old Testament, in the days of Moses to the children of Israel and manifest himself as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. That was God. So the son of man, yes, there is a human portion to his life and calling that goes from the seed of Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, then the specific tribe of Judah, and then from the tribe of Judah to the family of David. Yes, man, fully man, but a special man, the son of man, who is also the son of God. All of his glory and deity that is now come manifest in the flesh. Jesus said, yes. That is me. Well, the high priest obviously clearly understood the divine implication of this title, the son of man, quoting from Daniel, the prophet. So he responds, this is blasphemy. He is claiming to be equal to God. And so they had him in their own eyes. The only problem was that what Jesus declared was true. He is the son of man. He is the son of God. He will come in the power and the glory and the kingdom and the clouds of God Almighty in the kingdom of heaven. So look with me at the next couple of verses and let's go to our next life lesson here. By his stripes we were healed. Look with me in verses 67 and 68. Because as they all were crying out, everybody there around the high priest agreed with him, oh, he's blaspheming, and therefore he is deserving of death. And how did they respond at that moment of Jesus' declaration of his true identity, son of man, son of God, the Messiah? It says in verse 67, and then they spat in his face and they beat him and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, prophesy to us, Messiah, who is the one who struck you now? You know, there's a scripture that Peter talks about because we're gonna talk in just a moment about what happened to Jesus and as he was beaten for you and I, but in First Peter in the New Testament, and Peter is the one who is following Jesus from afar, but the Lord is gonna redeem Peter and restore Peter and heal Peter, but he was there. Though he was following at a distance, Peter was witness to this whole situation happening with the Lord Jesus. And Peter writes this, 1 Peter chapter two, verse 24, by whose stripes you were healed. Not just by his stripes we are healed, but by his stripes, past tense, you were healed. What Jesus is about to do as he goes to the cross for you and me, literally paid for the sins of all humanity, for all time, every sin was washed and cleansed. And therefore, while he was beaten with stripes, we were healed. While our sins are laid upon him, his righteousness is given to us. 
But let's go now to this scripture of Isaiah chapter 50, verse six. And Isaiah was a prophet of ancient Israel. He lived approximately 700 years before Jesus was born. And there is no other prophet quite like Isaiah who was able to look seven centuries into the future and have such a clear, obviously divinely inspired prophetic vision and description of the Messiah who would come not only to save the Jewish people, but all the nations of the earth. He would come to be the savior of the world and all who would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. But on Isaiah chapter 50, verse six, he's prophesying now about the Messiah. This is known as a messianic passage. It relates then to Jesus in this very hour we're looking at, and Jesus says, or this is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. So I want you to think about this for a moment. What, what's happening right now to Jesus? is, you know, he is being spit upon. This is the Messiah. This is the savior of the world. Being humiliated and taking the sins of the world upon me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And once they hear him declare and quote literally from Daniel chapter seven, a messianic passage, yes, I am the Messiah, I am the son of man, and I will come in the power and glory of God in the clouds from heaven to earth. They began to spit on him. Now, you know, spitting is one of the most disgusting things that a person can do. Uh, but when you spit on another human being, and by the way, in the Middle Eastern culture, that is a way that even to this day, they will show absolute disdain for another person who does something wrong, who violates their traditions or their culture, but they are showing their utter disgust. So the irony, that which is reserved for the most vulgar of people is now being cast upon him who knew no sin. The pure, beautiful, loving, gracious Jesus. Jesus, whose every word, every word that came from his mouth was the living word. He was the living word. He was the word made flesh. It was God as in a human body that was living, the living Torah, the living word of God. And they spat upon him. Pastor Ray Bentley with insights on the price Jesus paid on the way to Calvary. An important part of our study journey through Matthew here on Maranatha Radio. Now today's study is titled, When Jesus Was Alone. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. 
And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge. And also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Matthew. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.